This is Dale Josie, and welcome to my podcast, Aging with Grace, designed for anyone who wants to enjoy the journey of a lifetime after age 55. This monthly series, presented in collaboration with Kentucky AARP, provides useful tips, not only for taking care of yourself, family, and friends, but also how to enjoy life more abundantly than many people even thought possible for ages 65, 75, and beyond. In today's episode, episode eight, we speak with retired large animal veterinarian, Carl Pippen, who shares his passion for fellow veterans as a tireless community volunteer, including collecting beds for a place to sleep and donations of pet food for homeless owners of cats and dogs. Our new beginnings segment features Gail Reese, founder of I Know Expo, which is a caregiver's conference for seniors and those with disabilities, which will be held later this year, September, in Lexington, Kentucky. Investing in Your Future features David Lau, founder and CEO of DPL Financial Partners, discussing potential options to consider in planning or protecting retirement income. Also, I hope you'll enjoy an amazing story of a mystery man who persevered, struggled to survive, and eventually rocketed from sheer desperation, including sporadic living on the streets to international fame. Be sure to listen to my website, visit my website for extended interviews from our guests, not only today, but also in past episodes. My website is awg55.com. There, you can also send comments to your host, including ideas for future topics, or you can also email me, Dale, which is, again, me, D-A-L-E, at awg55.com. I'd love to hear from you. And now, thanks to a collaboration with Kentucky AARP, I trust you enjoy listening to Episode 8 of Aging with Grace. In each episode of Aging with Grace, I like to always open it with some kind of uh, meditative thought, some kind of reflection, something to make us pause and think about where we are and where we're going. I found a wonderful book by uh, Margie Worrell. You've got this. It's the name of the book. And last night, I was reading an interesting chapter, which I would like to share some excerpts from. Um, We spend a lot of time comparing ourselves with others. And as I'm thinking about this, you know, every time you spend a moment envying someone else's strengths, someone else's gifts, that's a minute you are not making the most of your own strengths or your own gifts. You see, we're going to focus just for a second on, um, you know, just how do we apply ourselves? Because we we feel like a failure so often. You know, according to Margie, just because a turkey can't fly – doesn't make it a failed bird, which is why focusing your unique gifts rather than trying to copy those of others is your golden ticket. We aren't all made to climb trees or teach children or design buildings or write music or launch startups or maybe even run billion-dollar businesses while we read and maybe even envy the success of those who do, again, envy being a waste of time, Every one of us has a unique combination of strengths, gifts, talents, and knowledge from the school of life. That's the school that we are called to share with the world as seniors aging with grace. When we get caught up in the eagle trap 
the ego trap of comparing our strengths and talents and place in the world with those of others, it dilutes our ability to fully harness our strengths. Someone once said, comparisons are the thief of joy because they rob us from being truly present and trusting the gifts within us. And they always leave us feeling less than in some way. So as, um, as our friend Margie concludes, Margie Worrell concludes, for all you know, others may be looking enviously at you, hostage to their own comparisons, wishing perhaps that they had your eye for design or knack for numbers or entrepreneurial flair or gift of the gab. You see, what others are doing with their gifts is on them. And that's the thought I want to leave you with. Don't worry about what others are thinking about you and don't worry about what they're doing with their gifts because that's on them. And what you're doing with your gifts is on you. No one else. You can't blame anyone else because what you're doing with your gifts is on you and what others are doing with their gifts is on them. So I encourage you to focus on what you're good at, not on what you'll never excel at which it may be the gift of someone else that you're not paying attention to when you do not maximize your gifts. I thought that was really good. And um, as we go to our transition to our first guest, Carl Pippen, he's a retired large animal veterinarian. He loved uh, being on a, grew up on a farm. And um, I just had a funny thought that uh, I should Maybe I, I think I'm going to share it with you. We we're talking about turkeys a minute ago, you know, um, and it kind of brought this to mind as I'm making the transition to Carl, which I think is, I love bad jokes. That's where I'm going with this. And uh, I appreciate those of you who've shared jokes with me, bad jokes, and continue to do so. So I'm going to leave you with a one bad joke right now. Um, where do you find a turkey with no legs? Where do you find a turkey with no legs? Exactly where you left it. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good, right? And then here's another one. Um, what was the other one? Here it is. Why can't turkeys go to church? Why can't turkeys go to church? Because they use foul language. F-O-W-L. <laughs> That's not funny. Move on. Okay. All right. I thought that was pretty good. And now we're thank you for moving me on. And now we're going to meet Carl Pippen. In this segment of uh, Aging with Grace, we always like to uh, kind of uh, introduce you to people who've done some amazing things. And also, since we were just talking about the importance of staying active, our next guest, not only has he done some important things, but he remains incredibly active at, the, uh, at, a, at a ripe young age of 82. Carl Pippen uh, was selected by AARP to receive the 2018 AARP Kentucky Andrus Award for Community Service. This is a, uh, the association's most prestigious and visible state volunteer award for community service. Mr. Pippin, uh, who we'll start calling Doc, and you'll find out why in a few moments, has done some amazing things in his community. And uh, without further delay, 
I'd like to welcome Carl Pippen to Aging with Grace. Good morning, Carl. How are you, sir? Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm wonderfully blessed and grateful to be here. Well, we're so glad that you are. And, you know, I, I uh, mentioned your uh, age and, and the fact what, what you have done. But before we get there, I want to talk a little bit about exactly what you have done. Um, you had mentioned to me in our off mic that uh, you had grown up uh, quite poor with no electricity. And then the, you went into the military and served in Vietnam. Yeah, I've been blessed uh, from a one-room school in uh, Cookville, Tennessee, uh, all eight grades to finished in one-room school, uh, on to uh, high school and college, and to uh, very encouraging a mentor uh, got me into ROTC, and through that, a career, more or less, in the military as an officer. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I'm very grateful and always for that mentor that took me in and got me on the right path. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that right path you had mentioned was being in Vietnam, making money, but time and money kind of became irrelevant in that during that conflict. Can you flesh that out a little bit? What you mean by that? Well, it had uh, obviously numerous uh, moments to think and, uh, consider the reality of uh, materialistic things. For one, uh, somebody paid us $50 in piastres month after month, and there was nothing to buy and nothing safe to buy, put it that way. And all of a sudden, at the end of the tour, you still had money from the first day, first month. Mm -hmm. So it it was very obvious that materialistic things are not what keeps you going. Mm Mm-hmm. And so in terms of uh, progressions after the military and accomplishments after military, that time in Vietnam, as you said, gave you time to center and focus on the more important things. And one of those things was uh, made real, real, uh, became a reality by way of the veterans bill, the GI bill. Well, that, that awarded me to be able to go to veterinary school and, that's what God sent me to do. I intended to go to medical school for the wrong reason because I thought all MDs were rich. <laughs> and uh, that was uh, not the real reason God wanted me to choose a profession. So he gave me a better profession. And growing up on the farm, I had a dear love for animals. And so he set me on the path of going to veterinary school and a career of 31 years as a private veterinarian. Uh, that gave me such a wonderful life. Well, that wonderful life, I think you earned the right for me to call you, uh, and everyone else, you said, calls you Doc. Is that about right? Well, that's just, you know, uh, I was Carlin Pippin long before I was Doc Pippin, but by the same token, uh, it's just sort of stuck. And to this day, uh, community-wise and whatever, uh, I'm humbly accepted as Doc Pippin and I'm grateful to not just for the title, but for the respect that people have for you when, you know, you are a professional person and yes. try to do the very best you possibly can. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a humble approach to life, understanding the blessings that God had given you, the skill set, and then actually following that through and becoming a, a veterinarian for large, uh, for large animals. How many years did you practice, uh, being a veterinarian? 
Yeah, 31 year career that went by so fast that that's uh, what I have to keep looking back is where in the world did it go? Uh, I worked basically 24 seven, seven days a week, uh, being on call to emergencies and whatever else. But, you know, sometimes I wonder how all those hours uh, could do it, but that's through God's grace. And he kept me going and gave me the strength and courage and, and along with the joy of doing what I was sent here to do. That's so good. And that joy continued with another passion after you retired from being a veterinarian after uh, 31 years, um, which kind of brings us to the crux of our interview today in terms of the Andrews Community Award. Doc, at 82, 82 years young at heart. By the way, congratulations on your re- and happy birthday on your recent birthday celebration. Well, yes, I had a wonderful birthday and every day is, you know, a special day. And I'm just so grateful for more than anything else, probably for my health. That's the only thing. Uh, you know, I don't mind being old. I don't mind looking old. I just don't want to feel old. You know? <laughs> so that's why I uh, truly believe that keeping moving is yes. the real answer because it keeps uh, not only physically active, but it keeps the brain active. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's uh, that's what I want to do. I want to just thrive to still continue to be active and and being God's servant. You keep moving through several things, one of which, um, uh, let's talk about the veteran side first. Uh, you linked up with Habitat for Humanity and began rehabbing veteran dis- a home of a disabled veteran. How did that come about, Carl? Well, we've, uh, we're blessed in this community as one of the most loving communities anybody could really want to live in. Uh, working with Habitat for Humanity. Uh, we've rehabbed several veterans' houses that had no heating, cooling, uh, were under deplorable conditions. We're in the process now finishing up two more uh, veterans' rehab projects for veterans. And also just completed the Veterans Village uh, with six mini houses, 300 square feet uh, for homeless veterans. and. Also just completed a uh, remodeling, revivoring of the probably the worst house in Shelbyville that was old bar that had such a notorious repetition. Now it's been converted into a beautiful place for community center for all the veterans in our community, not just the six veterans that live in our houses. But it's a it's a place of uh, now that serves as an educational center, a, a community isolation preventing center, a kitchen uh, serving food. Uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful place for these men and women to regroup, rethink, get out of isolation, and have a chance with a chapel, educational center, and entertainment center all in one. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an amazing accomplishment, especially how it came about. You had mentioned that you and uh, three other buddies were uh, meeting, having lunch uh, on a Wednesday or something like that. And you came up with this idea. Can you kind of flesh that out a little bit, how you rehabbed a horrible bar into an amazing site for veterans? Well, it, 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 I think my faith has been so restored because actually there was six of us Vietnam combat veterans that became friends. And we joined up with serving food uh, at the food distribution center in 
found out that uh, many of these people coming through were were veterans seeking food, as many as 50 a week. We distribute food every week. And so we also, by talking to them, found out they had other immediate needs. Some didn't have gas to get to their medical appointments. Some didn't have money to pay for their prescriptions. So we formed the Veterans Rural Outreach, uh, which to meet the immediate needs of these veterans, put gas in their car, tires on their car, get them to wherever they needed to be. And this just grew into the idea of, well, we need shelter for homeless veterans. So six veterans started out with the idea of building a homeless shelter. Uh, At the time, we had no idea it would be six. We thought more of a apartment-type complex, but the more I studied it, the more I looked into it, I loved the idea of individual space. And that's Mm -hmm. why these 360-foot, 12 by 30 with a six-foot porch houses I love the plan. It's uh, it's so functional. It's so economical. Uh, you know, it, it just made sense. And then the community center was, I was laying awake in bed one night at 4 a.m. and like a bolt of lightning struck me. I was <laughs> up and, or woke up and my wife said, who are you talking to? And I said, I'm talking to my buddy, Tommy Partridge, who owns the old bar. We got to have that building for a community center. <laughs> So next day I went to see Tommy and I treated his animals for 30 years. I said, Tommy, we got to have that building. Uh, Just give me a price. So he said, okay, I'll think about it. Three days later, he went back and said, okay, I got a price for you. Uh, Well, I said, okay, I'm going to see about raising money. Three days later, I had 50,000 of the 58,000 donation made and I didn't even ask for it. Please enjoy the complete 30-minute unedited interview with Carl Pippen on my website, awg55.com. As listeners know, we've begun a new part of Aging with Grace called New Beginnings. And as Michael Tarver had shared with us, and also as our previous guest, Dr. Um, Dr. Dale Tarver from New Orleans has shared with us that it includes, begins, has to happen with motivating yourself. You see, we have to harness our energy by focusing on the things that we've done that have found the fulfillment. And thinking about that, and in terms of starting over, find out what turns your crank every day. Think about that time when something really got you excited. You were doing something, you totally lost track of time felt completely immersed in what you were doing, and at the same time, felt a great sense of satisfaction and meaningfulness. That's what it means in new beginnings. But the challenge is we have to be creative, right? You have to think about what you want to do next and get a lead on things you do that energize you, something that every morning, what I call, turns your crank to embrace the flow. The flow is defined as new possibilities, something that can be achieved through many activities, perhaps gardening, knitting, writing, playing sports, helping others, and almost anything else that you know really kind of appeals to you, that excites you, that attracts you, that engages you. And then the question is, once you use this to motivate yourself, is there a way to incorporate some of these experiences into where you're going next? It's all a very logical process to some extent. It requires, at the end of the day, 
focusing and motivating yourself to do one of those things that, as I said, turns your crank in the morning and helps you embrace the flow. That's what I did after uh, 30 years of working. I'm doing something now that I absolutely love, which is podcasting. I'm embracing the flow that fits with my natural God-given gifts. And so as part of New Beginnings, the second episode of it within Aging with Grace, my next guest, Gail Reese, had to start over following removal after 20 years from the family business. The family business, 20 years in, and she had was forced out. She is the founder of the I Know Expo in Lexington, and we're going to hear her story as part of this segment of New Beginnings. Gail, are you there? Yes. Hello, Dale. Welcome to Aging with Grace. We have the Gail and Dale show today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gail, I've uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, speaking with you, and I thought uh, as part of this episode, uh, this segment, I thought we would talk first about the new beginnings, which you had to do. You had to restart yourself. And right. then we're going to talk about I Know Expo, which is very exciting and something that you were the founder of. So let's let's start in the beginning. When you had to start over, what, what age approximately and what had happened where you had to start over? Well, I was uh, in a stage of life where I kind of seen was seeing the rest of my career and what I was going to be doing. I was 55 and things were just not working out uh, where in the family business, as happens in many family businesses, it is not unusual, especially when a patriarch passes away and, and things just get all jumbled up. So I was out. Um, I had been, I was, I am a workaholic. I love work. I love, I love all, not all aspects of it, but I can see the goal and working had kind of been my life. I come from a family of entrepreneurs and we like, and I think I got this after my father, we like starting things. We like seeing what, where there's a need and kind of figuring out how to fill that need. So after I graduated from college, I had majored in elementary education. And to tell you the truth, I got in a classroom with the children and hated it. <laughs> it was a, I love children one-on-one, -on -one, but you put them in a group and it's a whole different dynamic. Yeah. So I was pretty depressed for a while. And thinking about what the heck am I going to do, newly married and out of state. So I prayed and prayed. And eventually, uh, the thought came to my mind. My prayer was answered. You love seniors. You love your grandparents. You love doing, you love being with your grandparents. You love seniors. Do something with seniors. So I went to, um, this was a town in South Carolina. I went to the local senior center and started helping them. But sure enough, my husband got a job in another city. We moved twice, had a couple of children in the next city. Then my family started the business uh, here in Kentucky. So we moved back. And that's where I uh, worked for 20 years. It had nothing to do with seniors, mm -hmm. uh, but it was a startup. There were several startups out of that business, which mm -hmm. was really exciting. 
And it taught me, uh, even though I didn't major in business, which I should have, it taught me um, as a self-learned business principles, you know, accounting and people mm-hmm. management, human resources, and mm-hmm. and how you have to make a profit. Mm-hmm. You have to sustain yourself. That's right. So when I was out, uh, I was just kind of wandering around. And I went back to the same question I had had when I graduated from college. Okay, God, what am I going to do when I grow up? And I'm 55 years old. (laughs) So almost immediately, it was like seniors. I still Mm. love seniors. Mm. I wasn't quite a senior yet. I was almost there. Mm -hmm. But I did have uh, a lot of my best friends were older women. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, um, I just found a connection. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed uh, my friendships there. Before we go off to the ITM, I want to verify a couple things with you. One is, uh, you said you have an entrepreneurial spirit. And Mm -hmm. number two was, you said that when you went to college or or university for to study for a degree, off microphone, you had mentioned uh, that the way, the way the environment was then, that women were either teachers, nurses, or secretaries, right? Uh, yep. You were typecast. So, so there was a certain degree of sexism, which determined your path. Yes. So when I was in college, uh, I knew I enjoyed business. Uh, so I, the first class I took was an economics class. I was the only woman in there. And uh, it was an older man who was a doctor, and he was the most boring thing I'd ever <laughs> heard. And I, uh, I thought, I cannot stand all of this. And actually, I was in a liberal arts college. Mm-hmm. And in those days, which was the late 60s, early 70s, there weren't a lot of encouragement for women to do things other than teaching which I love the teaching department at the small college I was at. The, the, the professors were fantastic and exciting. Nursing, there was no nurse. I don't want to do that. And maybe some kind of secretarial administrative type thing. Mm-hmm. So where I was, the only alternative was to do teaching. So I did that. So basically, uh, for our listeners, um, it would almost be like admin, the cable TV series, where women were basically there. If you're in the office, uh, go get me a cup of coffee, honey. That type of thing. Very very anachronistic. I went to an employment agency to see if I could work in a business, and they they sat me down at a typewriter to see how many words a minute I could type. I couldn't type. Plus, your yeah, skills are so much more than that, Gail. You know, offer much more than that. Learn to program computers at this college, but at that point, we had uh, punch cards. But I was still programming. Yeah. So I was programming, and then they <laughs> sat me at a typewriter. So it's like, oh, <laughs> okay, I'm not doing this. That's not happening. So, in terms of in terms of having to um, navigate uh, this new terrain you're on. After 20 years in the family business, and by the way, uh, for listeners, we're having the pleasure of speaking with Gail Reese. She's the founder of I Know Expo, and as part of this episode of Aging with Grace, uh, sponsored by Kentucky AARP. Um, so 
Gail, in terms of navigating that way, you had to find those things which which did turn your crank, which excited you. And you said that was older people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, my grandparents were very important in my life. I was one of five children so and the eldest. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. They instilled some wonderful things in me. That is so good. Um and so as part of that, uh, your family, uh, you said your heritage was about starting over. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. You said your heritage is about starting businesses. That yes. was kind of generational expectation, but probably of the men in your family, not so much women. Is that a fair assessment? That is a very fair assessment. Mm-hmm. So you looked into the magical mirror. You said your prayer, which is absolutely beautiful. Um, and so how did I know Expo? come to life based upon where you were in life and you were ousted at 55. So how many years before I know Expo came online? Our first Expo was in 2013. So we we gave our first ride uh, for IT and Bluegrass in 08, but that's after we had to raise money. I'd never raised money uh, for a nonprofit before, so I had to do that. Um, and then get the law changed, and we gave our first ride. And then we, after a time, we began getting phone calls from adult children of our riders asking us us for other information about senior services. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most, and this flows into I Know Expo, most people do not know where to start if they have a senior or someone with a sudden disability in their family that they're caring for, mm-hmm. they don't, uh, who knows where to go first? Mm-hmm. Where do you go to get help? Yeah. It's not a, it's not an easy path to ferret out. Mm-hmm. So people were calling us and we were looking for other or truthfully, I was, uh, I'm good at starting things, but when mm-hmm. it, when things are running smoothly, yeah. it's, I get a little antsy. It's like, okay. <laughs> oh, no. Here? <laughs> Uh-oh. Are you one of those people that go by the uh, bird cage? You rap on the cage just to get the birds to flutter because you don't want them to be at rest. <laughs> are you one of those people? <laughs> it's like, it's time for something new to come it's in. got to do something. Yeah, what's the matter with yeah. this? It's gotta, let's break it and start something else. <laughs> yeah, something new. Because it was running so smoothly. The, the deputy director was doing a wonderful job. You know, it was it was going well. So we decided, I, I had this idea. So someone had asked us questions, you know, what are your assets? Our assets as uh, IT and Bluegrass were our connections to all these families. And they're not only the seniors, but also their adult children. So it's like, how else can we be of service here? Sounds like and, you were a clearinghouse, kind of like a clearinghouse yes, with ITM, yes. Bluegrass. Yeah. Yes. Well, we, we were just giving rides, but we were getting all these questions we did not know how to answer. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we were clueless. Neither of us, the main the main people had any social services background. So in my previous business, I'd had experience with home and garden shows. So I thought, why don't we do a home and garden show type event for services, for senior services? Mm -hmm. So that's how I Know Expo bloomed. 
That's amazing because you uh, started it in 2013. And uh, in the first seven years, the expo reached almost 7,000 people actively right. interested in living as fully as possible, regardless of age and life circumstances. That's an amazing trajectory in that period of time. Well, the need is amazing. Now, that's 7,000 people over all those different years. Yes, of course. Cumulative. The, yes, but the need and the need always changes. You know, you never know when something's going to pop up in your family or your friends and all of a sudden someone needs care. Where do you go? Mm -hmm. So if we found initially we were uh, promoting this as a caregiver conference. Okay. Uh, and we still are care uh, a resource for caregivers. But we've also found that a lot of people, as I've aged into this, a lot of people come to plan for their own futures. So they'll come and they're they're going to they're being proactive about plan, planning for their futures. Mm -hmm. So they will pick up information. I mean, where mm -hmm. else can you talk to Social Security and um, and adult education? and physical uh, recreation and travel all in the same place, the same day at the same time. Please enjoy the complete interview with Gail Reese on my website, awg55.com. Gail created the I Know Expo as a caregiver's conference for seniors or those with disabilities. I Know Expo, sponsored in part by Kentucky AARP, will be held on Sunday, September the 19th in Lexington, Kentucky. For more information, please visit their website, iknowexpo.org. For our listeners of uh, Aging with Grace, you know, we're always wanting to provide information that you can use. Uh, we'll be talking about uh, information pertaining to diet. We'll be talking about information pertaining to lifestyle because Aging with Grace is all about everything being done logically and an order with some degree of balance where you taking care of all fronts, right? Uh, we, as we take care of our physical bodies, we also have, and protect those physical bodies, we also have to take care of our financial futures. And we have to protect, protect those vital uh, revenue streams, especially when you consider uh, frequent updates and changes in tax laws. You read the headlines, which stream about the uncertainty regarding the, the future of Social Security, and then against that backdrop, all of us are challenged when in preserving a, comf a comfortable lifestyle in retirement. And this means to do that, right, you have to have income. Uh, so for those who have retired or those who are planning to retire, I thought this segment, Investing in Your Future, sponsored by DPL Financial Partners, would be vital to us to listen to and enjoy, especially since it the topics that we'll be talking about in terms of retirement, in terms of providing an income revenue stream, and several other topics are all supported from by research from Motley Fuel, Motley Fool, and also from uh, AARP. And this segment is also brought to you in collaboration uh, with Kentucky Chapter AARP. So as we go to this segment, I think it's important to have a subject matter expert to address these concerns. And today, our guest is David Lau. 
And David Lau is the founder and CEO of DPL Financial Partners, which is a privately held financial services firm that specializes in development and distribution of commission-free insurance and annuities for registered investment advisors. And for simplicity, during the program, you'll hear us, or during this interview, rather, you'll hear us refer to registered investment advisors as RIAs. I really have enjoyed uh, bringing David to the the program. Uh, David is a sought-after speaker, commentator, and advisor to financial journalists, insurance carriers, and others in the financial services and fine tech industries. His work has received coverage in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Barron's, CNBC, Wealth Management, Investment News, and other financial media, where he provides insights on industry products, players, trends, and best practices. And what I like about him, my first question is going to be about him being a disruptor. But before we get there, David, are you there? And welcome to Aging with Grace. I am here, Dale. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to it. Well, absolutely. Because this is very important, you know, that uh, as we look at retirement um, and so many products are out there for for uh, for investors, for people who want to assure their their retirement. But what I like about what you've done as founder and CEO of DPL Financial Advisors is you position yourself as a disruptor to the financial industry. What does that mean, my friend? That means that you're taking a look at the way things are done and you're challenging the status quo, saying, is this the right thing for the end consumer? Is this the best way of doing things? You know, is the, the historical way of delivering products, building products, pricing products, any of that stuff, is, is that the best way of doing it and challenging, you know, that status quo? And you know, that's what I've kind of done throughout my career. The, you know, a lot of people would call that disruptive. My, you know, my wife would say it's, you know, you're being a pain in the neck, uh, but <laughs> it, it depends. It depends on your, on your point of view, but I, I'm just, I've never been one who kind of accepts the status quo without questioning it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is kind of, you know, driven my career. Mm-hmm. And maybe outside of your wife, maybe traditional financial planners may also consider you a pain in the neck because you're advocating something that I don't see many financial planners embracing, which is annuities. Yeah. The, so, you know, there's, a, there's a, a lot that goes to that, right? So there's, you know, what we're doing, you know, we're trying to disrupt or change, you know, if you just don't, or modernize, depending on how you want to look at it, um, annuities and and you know, bringing them to the financial services world and to, and to, you know, retirees and consumers because they're important products. And the problem with annuities has historically been, and this is where our change comes in, is that they've been driven by commission sales, mm-hmm. meaning you generally have gotten an annuity, which is an important product, you know, for your retirement from a salesperson, meaning the product manufacturer, the insurance company is paying that person to sell it to you. The mm-hmm. more they sell to you, the more money they make, mm-hmm. right? And their concern, you know, being naturally motivated, you know, is around closing sales and selling as much as possible. And how much commission does one carrier pay me over another? That's obviously not a good recipe for the buyer of the product, right? So well, you you but it just, is a good recipe for the seller of the product. A, totally, totally, <laughs> exactly. So what, so what we set out to do, and again, because 
your retirement and funding retirement is a relatively new problem for most Americans, meaning, you know, just 15, 20 years ago, a lot of Americans had pensions. You know, they had guaranteed income in retirement. You could count on Social Security. People more and more question, you know, whether Social Security will be around, which I think most people do believe it will be, but benefits will likely be reduced. So, having those secure income sources during your retirement used to be there. Interest rates used to be much higher. You know, you used to just go from being invested in the market and, and taking risks during accumulation, you know, while you're building wealth. And once you got to retirement, you started moving all that risk really into bonds and cash and Mm -hmm. just collecting a nice interest rate to fund your retirement, which used to be relatively short, Mm -hmm. you know, 15 year retirement. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about a 30 to 40 year retirement where you don't have guaranteed sources of income and you've got really low interest rates for safe investments. So that's a problem. And that's where annuities can come in. Well, I think that underscores the issue of, and actually of shines a light, if you will, on the shifting of the paradigm. Because to your point, when we when I started working and others started working, we were promised what uh, you, you do, what uh, 25, 30, 40, whatever the number of years is in a company. You get your gold watch and mm-hmm. someone else is taking care of your investments and now you're good to go for retirement. All that is gone now. The paradigm has shifted yes. and that's now our responsibility. And before I yield the floor back, uh, there was a recent survey which said uh, 42% of people, 67% of workers had planned enough money to retirement, right? Mm-hmm. But only 42% had actually calculated it and put it on paper. That's a problem. Yeah, and that's where a financial plan comes in into play because now retirement, again, is lasting one-third of your life at which time you don't have a lot of control over your finances, mm-hmm. right? You, you don't have the same what we call remedies, you know, in once you're in retirement as you do during, you know, during your accumulation or wealth building working years. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're, if, if the market is not performing when you're still working, you can put back your retirement age. You mm-hmm. can maybe take more risk in the market to try to make more money. But once you get into retirement, you, those options, many of them are gone, whether by your choice or your health or the environment in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you really need a plan to last again a 30 to 40 year you know likelihood you know people are planning to live you know the data suggests you should plan to live to 95 to 100 maybe even longer mm. you know at this point mm. um, so how do you do that you know for th- basically 30 to 40 years of retirement without a plan of how you're going to fund it mm-hmm. that's a good point and we're going to dig into the uh, to the annuities conundrum in a moment or the challenges and, and also the positive benefits of annuities but off mic um, uh, David you had shared that people invest in their homes or they have insurance to protect their homes we have health insurance but we're not have we don't have insurance to protect our enti- retirement um, and, and so the question is, that should be part of that three-legged stool to ensure that we can live the remaining uh, one-third of our life in retirement. That has got to happen. Yes. I mean, that's, it's, a, it's a great 
a great viewpoint. You know, you, you ensure the important things in your life, you know, your health, your home, your auto, that kind of stuff. Um, so looking at ensuring your retirement income in particular, you know, we think is really important because it's a major component to your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, at a point when you're vulnerable. So if you look at the way we, we typically will look at it and talk to, you know, whether it's financial planners or, you know, consumers about is think about your essential expenses in retirement. How much is your home going to cost, your health care, your food, the things that are critical to you in retirement? Some people throw their golf game in there or vacation or the, tri- <laughs> or the trip or the trip, you know, once a, you know, once a month with their friends out to do, you know, out to dinner or whatever, whatever right. you want to call essential to your, your happiness and your life in retirement. Mm-hmm. Let's look at using guaranteed sources of income to fund that, meaning that insurance. So you're going to have social security. Maybe you're lucky enough to have a pension. Uh, and then let's fill that gap to cover those in, you know, those, you know, those sources for your lifetime with guaranteed income. That's the role the annuity plays. Mm-hmm. And many people, you know, I think don't look at it that way or, or don't embrace it because, you know, they have to deal with commissioned insurance people who are trying mm-hmm. to sell them. And it's never, it's like going to the dentist. Nobody enjoys talking to an insurance person about a complex product that they're really trying to push you on. Uh, so that's all part of what we try to address with better priced products delivered from somebody who's, you know, sitting on the same side of the table with you who's got your best interest in mind. Please enjoy the complete 30-minute interview with David Lau, founder and CEO of DPL Financial, on my website, awg55.com. David continues to share unique insights, including annuities that benefit consumers and not commission sales. More information about DPL Financial can be found at dplfp.com. At the end of uh, each episode of Aging with Grace, I always like to leave us with a story of success, something we can think about. And in launching this incredible story, I want to share a quote from John, I'm sorry, from Jim Rohn, which says, discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. Discipline is the bridge between goals and accomplishment. And as I introduce you to my mystery man for today, this is story is there to share uh, for those who are still working. It might inspire those who are newly retired, or maybe you're just in the market for new ideas and possibilities. So considering all the options, here's a story I'd like to share with you about a mystery man who, before he made it big, this now famous actor was essentially a starving artist. For many years, during and after his college days, he worked odd jobs to pay the bills while simultaneously taking on any acting roles he could find just to keep his dreams of becoming a successful actor a reality. It was a struggle that this young man would endure for many hard years. Seven hard years, actually. Long, challenging years that our mystery man would gain a few small roles in a handful of movies, but certainly nothing grand enough to get his career launched. During those seven long years of striving and struggling, he came face-to-face with near 
poverty. Getting so desperate for money, he at one point had to sell his wife's jewelry, jewelry out of sheer desperation for money. And just when perhaps he thought the bar could not go any lower, he even had to sell his dog. Wow. Man's best friend, Fluffy, Rover, I don't know, but it's still your best friend. It's your dog. And he had to sell his dog because, you see, he couldn't keep him fed. And to top it all off, there came a point where this now famous man was actually homeless. He had to sleep outside for a number of days. But understanding the continued application, the continued discipline of struggling and trying, his days of struggling as an aspiring actor would not last forever. After facing seemingly insurmountable odds for many years, our mystery man would finally get his big break. And this big break would come after he managed to get a script he wrote. Yes, a movie script he wrote in a flurry of three days of inspired, desperated, desperation and perspiration. He finally got it in front of two high-powered directors in Hollywood. It was after this defining moment that his career would skyrocket for our mystery man no more. Because you see, this one final shot broke down and out, desperate for a break. Something good has got to happen. This was when our mystery man negotiated the lead in a series of boxing movies that was soon come to be known as Rocky. Yes, Rocky was the defining moment when all seemed lost, when our mystery man no more refused to let go of a dream. This was the defining moment that would turn the tide for a mystery man no more, but an international star we know and recognize as Sylvester Stallone. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to listen to my podcast, Aging with Grace 55 Plus presented in collaboration with Kentucky Chapter AARP. Keep in mind, aging is a lifelong process that if you choose to see new possibilities, you will find them every day. Aging is not a time of diminishment, but applying lessons taught by some of our best teachers, including experience. I'd love to hear from you. So reach out to me, dale at awg55.com by email. Or visit our website, awg55.com. And now, for last thought for the day, good habits make time your ally. Bad habits make time your enemy. So until next time, this has been Dale Josie, host of Aging with Grace. 